Thank you for listening to the podcast of Bible Baptist Church. Please visit our website at www.southbaybbc.org for more information. This morning, we're going to take a look at the shepherds that are mentioned here in this passage, and we're going to take a look at just kind of this whole situation from their perspective. So these shepherds are out in the fields watching their flocks by night. They're just doing their job, right? So just imagine you're at your job. If you have a job, you go to a workplace, or even if you're a student or whatnot, you're going to wherever it is that you go, and you're just going about your daily life, right? When you go to work, maybe there might be some unexpected hiccups along the way, but for the most part, your job is your job, right? You go to your job, you do your job, and then you go home. That's kind of what these shepherds are doing. Now, being a shepherd is a little bit of a different kind of a job, because as you've noticed, they're watching their flocks by night. If you're a shepherd, you don't just clock out at the end of the day. It's five o'clock, I'm done, you punch out, and you go home. If you're a shepherd, you have to watch the flocks, especially at night, because there are predators. Your sheep might get lost, things might happen. And so these shepherds are watching their flocks by night when all of a sudden this angel appears and gives a message to these shepherds. But if you've noticed, we're in Luke chapter number two. And we started in verse number eight. So there's actually been 87 verses leading up into this passage. There's been 87 verses in essence of an introduction, if you want to think of it this way, before we even get introduced to these shepherds. So I want to rewind just a little bit and give you a little bit of a background of, okay, we're in chapter number two, we're a couple of verses in. What happened before those verses? Well, if you go back, and you can read it for yourself later, in Luke chapter number 1, what we find is that there was the high priest, there was the priest, actually, that was going into the temple area. And so Zacharias was the priest. It was uh, kind of uh, part of his rotation. This was his opportunity to come in and do his role of the, the temple duties. And his duty was, during this time, to go into the temple area and to light the incense. That was his job. So he went in, and if you read the passage, you notice everybody is outside praying, and he's going in by himself. He walks in by himself, and lo and behold, right by the altar of incense is a man or at least what appears to be a man. It's actually an angel. And Zacharias is shocked and surprised because, of course, nobody's supposed to be in the temple area. And then if he realizes, oh, this is an angel, that's even more surprising and shocking. And the angel says, fear not, I've got some good news for you. And the Bible says a few things about Zacharias that are interesting to note. The Bible says that he and his wife, Zacharias and Elizabeth, both were righteous before God, both walking in all the commandments of the Lord, blameless. And as we get into this story, I think it's important to note that our obedience to the word of God matters. All right, we don't know anything really about the life of Zechariah before this time. We know that he's an older man by this point in time, maybe towards the end of his time where he's serving in the temple duties with, as, a, as a priest. He's an older individual, and maybe his whole life, all of these things, he's been obedient, but not everything's gone his way. He doesn't have any kids. And of course, that's something that he'd been praying for. But even though he wasn't getting what he wanted, he was still obedient to God. What a great lesson there. And so Zechariah is just trying to do what he's trying to do. He's just trying to do his job faithfully. And you'll notice that it's when he's doing the most important part of his job that God speaks to him. 
as he goes into the temple area, this is probably the most serious aspect of his job, right? Going into the temple, lighting the incense, and then coming back out. Because God took those things very seriously. You know, he could strike somebody dead for not doing those responsibilities properly. So he took it very seriously, and it's in that very moment that God chose to speak to Zacharias. Because God could have chosen any other time, right? He could have waited until Zacharias was off duty and went home and kind of done that, right? He could have done that. He could have done it maybe after he had come out and uh, had a few moments. Maybe he took a break and went to the room. I don't know if he have a break room, but maybe he went to the break room. And uh, he could have met him there and said, Zacharias, before you go in, I I'd like to have a word with you and, and spoken to him then. But that's not when God chose to speak to Zacharias. He chose to speak as he was serving God in the most important job of his duties. And I think there's a great lesson there, which is sometimes we wait for God to speak, and then I'm going to do something for him. When God says, why don't you just be faithful in doing what you're supposed to do, and as you do that, then I'll speak to you. And so Zechariah, he's just serving God, and he's just trying to do what, what he's been called to do as a priest uh, of the tribe of Levi, and the Bible says that the angel gave to him a message. And the message was this, your prayer is heard. Your prayer is heard. What a great message to hear. God heard your prayer. Now, Zacharias, as I mentioned, is an older man by this point. His wife is older at this point. Both of them, by the words of Zacharias, we're beyond the years of having children. We're beyond that. So it, if you kind of read between the lines, you'll see that Zacharias, he's kind of given up on having this kid. In fact, we know that he kind of gave up on having a child because he didn't really believe the angel. And the angel said, oh, you don't believe me? Okay, you will not be able to speak until your baby is born. <laughs> For nine months, totally silent, not a single word out of Zechariah's mouth. Anytime he had to communicate, he had to get a tablet and write it down. This is old school text messaging, right? He had to, to write it down and, and say, this is what I'm trying to say, right? Because he wasn't able to speak. And so God says, your prayer is heard. You will have a child. That child, as we know, turns out to be John the Baptist. You might be familiar with your Bibles. You might be familiar with that name, John the Baptist. So this has all happened in chapter number one, before anything with the shepherds. Six months after this angel appears to Zechariah, another angel, or perhaps even the same angel, Gabriel, appears to another individual. Her name is Mary. And he meets with Mary and tells her, this is what's going to happen. You're going to have a child. This child is going to be a different child from every other child that's been born throughout history. This child will be the Son of God, and you will call his name Jesus. And so he has uh, this message for Mary. We know about this. This is what Christmas is all about. And so she uh, sees of this child, which will be baby Jesus. And the angel says, uh, your cousin, your relative, Elizabeth, also has a child. And so Mary goes to see Elizabeth, and they have this conversation the baby inside Elizabeth leaps for joy, and there's this amazing interaction. And so you have Elizabeth miraculously having a baby, 
and Mary miraculously having a baby, uh, all in chapter number one. Chapter number two, this is nine months later, all right? After the angel speaks to Mary, nine months later, we pick up the story, now we're here, and Mary and Joseph are on their way to Bethlehem. They're from Galilee in the northern part of Israel. They're going down to Bethlehem in the southern part of Israel, right near Jerusalem. They're on this journey. Now, if you know anything about children, you'll know that nine months is like when babies are born, <laughs> all right? Nine months later, they're on a trip, right? You probably wouldn't plan a trip nine months late, nine months after conceiving because that's when the baby might be born, but they don't have a choice. They have to go to Bethlehem in order to register because of this tax. There's a national tax, all right? Boo, national taxes, right? The national tax, and, but they got to go, so they go. Mary and Joseph go to Bethlehem. They go to Bethlehem, and there's no hospital there, there's no room in the inn. Can you imagine? This is not exactly the best vacation. Mary's like, this is the worst vacation ever, Joseph. <laughs> right? I've been on vacations where I've forgotten things. Once I was going to a conference, and uh, I went to this conference, and uh, you know, we got there a little bit early before we checked into the hotel and everything, and so uh, I told my wife, you know what, you guys, you guys can go do something, and I'll just stay here at a Starbucks, and I'll start working for a little while. So I pulled out an iPad, started working for a little bit, and about after 30 minutes, 45 minutes or so, something struck me. And I was at a conference, and at this conference, this is where like all the pastors are, they're gonna have preaching services and everything, and I realized that I forgot all of my suits, I forgot all of my dress shirts, I forgot all of my ties. All, the only thing I had was what I was wearing, and I called my wife and said, hey honey, you gotta get back here, because I forgot something. <laughs> and so we, had, we went to the store, we just bought a bunch of stuff, and you know, we, we kind of took care of it that way the worst. I'm usually not that bad at forgetting things, but Joseph and Mary go on this trip. There's no room in the inn. There's no hospital. There's nothing. They show up, and Mary has her baby in a stable, wraps the baby in swaddling clothes, and puts him in a manger, all right? So this is the whole situation that's been happening all the way up until the verse that we just read, Luke chapter 2, verse number 8, meaning this. If you once again, step back and try to picture yourself in the shoes of the shepherd, okay, they don't know that any of this is going on. They know nothing about Mary. They know nothing about the angel that's appeared. They know nothing about this baby. They know nothing about Joseph. They probably know nothing about Zechariah's the baby or any of those things. They probably know none of these things. None of these things are in their minds at all. They're just living their lives, just doing what they always have done day after day, year after year, and just, just doing what they do, doing what shepherds do. Now, before we get into what exactly this message is, I think that this gives us an opportunity to think about what a wonderful lesson here, which is you might be going about living your life, and every day might look the same. Every year might be a little bit different, but for the most part, it's just living your life. And you might be wondering what's, what God's doing. God's always working. Now, you might not know what's going on. You might not know about the Mary and Joseph. You might not know about the Zechariah or Elizabeth. You might not know about the angels. You might not know about all of these different kinds of things. But what we do know is that God was hard at work for months and months and months before uh, he appeared, before this angel appeared, 
to these shepherds. And so he comes, this angel comes, and in verse number 10, he has this message for the shepherds. Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. This angel comes to the shepherds and says, I have good news for you. And this message of good news for the shepherds is also good news for us. So this morning, I want to take a look and see how this good news message that God had for the shepherds is good news for us. How the good news is not just good news for other people, it's good news for, for you and for me. So first of all, what we see is how do we know that this good news really is good news? We know it's good news because of the relevance of the good news. The relevance of the good news. In verse number 10, it says, And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy. All right, I've got some good news that'll make you really happy, for which shall be to all people. What he says is, I've got good news, and it's going to be a joyful news because it's for everybody. This good news is for everybody. I've gotten these coupons in the mail before. And uh, it's, it's, you know, those deal, you know, kind of advertisements, right? 50% off the entire store, Black Friday sale, whatever, all of these different kinds of things. And uh, sometimes you get them, sometimes you see commercials, you know, blowout sale, 40% off everything or whatever. And then you ever look at those and there's a little asterisk by the 40% off? You ever see that asterisk? And then you ever look at the, the, the page and there's another asterisk there? And a really small asterisk, you know, they have a big 40% asterisk, it's really small. And they got a lot of text. You ever see that? A lot of text. And, the, and sometimes in the advertisements, sometimes on the commercials, they'll, they'll use this phrase. You ever hear the phrase, some exclusions may apply. You ever seen that? Some exclusions may apply. 40% off the entire store, unless you're buying jewelry, unless you're buying perfume, unless you're buying suits, unless you're buying anything Nike or Adidas or any of these other things, you know, you got all of these exclusions and you walk into the store and there's like one rack, 40% off, you know, right? You know, some exclusions may apply. Some people advertise like that. Oh, we got a great deal. We got great news here. But there's a little asterisk and it says some exclusions may apply. But when God says, I've got great news, some good tidings of great joy, which shall be for all people. When he says all people, there's no asterisk there. When he says all people, he means all people. He means when he says, if it's like 40% off, he means 40% off everything. You want to buy jewelry? 40% off. You want to buy a suit? 40% off. You want to buy Nike? 40% off. You want to buy whatever you want in the store that's on sale? 40% off. No exclusions. When God says, I've got some great news, there are no exclusions at all. Sometimes you hear the phrase, not available for residents of California, Washington, Nevada, Texas, all of these things, you know. You can have this great service, but not if you live in certain of these states. And uh, what the Bible is saying is that great news from the Bible, the good news of God's word, is good news because it's for everybody. Even the shepherds. Now, these shepherds were not high-class individuals. Being a shepherd was kind of a lowly job, and for obvious reasons. If you're a shepherd, you're out in nature. If you're a shepherd, you don't get to just clock out and go back home. 
If you're a shepherd, you, you're not wearing nice clothes. You're wearing kind of dirty clothes. You, you're outside in the field at night. It's cold outside. Could be potentially dangerous. You've got to deal with sheep that are messy and smelly and all of these things. Not exactly a high-class kind of a job. And God is telling these shepherds, I've got great news that's not just for the kings. It's not just for the noblemen. It's not just for rich people. This good news is for everyone, including you. Now, some of you here today have been here at the church for a little while, and I'm familiar with you. Perhaps this is your very first time here today. Maybe you've never come to this church here before. This is your first time. We're glad that you're here. And I want you to know, and God wants you to know, that the message of the Bible is for everyone. It's for you. It's not just for church members. The message of the Bible is for you. The message of the Bible is not just for those that come and serve in some capacity at the church. It's for you. It doesn't matter whether you come to the church services every week. Maybe you've never been to a church service before in your entire life. What the Bible says is I've got some good news because this good news is for you. And you can take advantage of it. This past year, there's been a big movement since, you know, the whole COVID pandemic and all of those things. Uh, that's kind of changed our lives in a lot of ways. And for some more than others, one of the big ones is remote work. All right. Remote work. You might have heard about this. You know, we all started doing the Zoom thing, right? Everybody did the Zoom thing. Students did the Zoom thing. Workplaces did the Zoom thing. We even did the Zoom thing here at church. And we started having the Zoom classes and all of that. And uh, that has enabled a lot of people to work from home. And uh, they can work from home. They just bring a laptop home or they bring their work home and they're able to work remote. And it's been kind of a revolution in uh, some industries to the point where some people are like, you know what, if I'm just going to work at home anyway, why don't I just live wherever I want? I don't have to live here. I could move someplace else. I could move someplace cheaper. Maybe I want to move to a different place with better weather or all sorts of different reasons. Maybe you've got family in the area and you might be able to do that. And so there might be some people that have taken advantage of that and they're able to work remote. They can work in different places. Some people can do that. Okay. Some people can take advantage of that. I am not one of those people. Okay as much as I would love to. <laughs> I would love, can you imagine me just Zooming the message every single Sunday morning, right? And just having classes, you know, and over Zoom. And, uh, you know, that's obviously not going to work. I got to be here in person. I got to be here to meet people. That's not something that I can take advantage of. Maybe you have a job where you can't remote work that. You got to show up and you got to turn the screwdrivers. You got to flip on the machines. You got to do all of these things in person. Some people could take advantage of that. Other people could not. Now, when it comes to this good news, God is saying it's available for everybody. This good news is for everybody. It doesn't matter whether you're religious or not. Doesn't matter whether you grew up going to church or not. Doesn't matter whether you believed in God or not. Doesn't matter whether you believe the Bible or not. Doesn't matter whether you're rich or poor. Doesn't matter whether you're highly educated or not so well educated. Doesn't matter whether you're single or married, whether you have kids or no kids. Doesn't matter where you were born, what your first language is. Doesn't matter whether you root for the Lakers or not. It doesn't matter whether you root for the Dodgers or not, <laughs> right? It doesn't matter any of these things. God says, I've got a message that's a great message. And the reason is, it's for everybody. 
is for everybody. Verse number 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. This message is for everybody. That's why this message of good news is really The second reason why we see that the good news really is the good news is because of the reason for the good news. In verse number 10, he says, and the angel said unto them, fear not, for behold, I give you, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. There's a great reason for the good news. I've got some good news for you. And that's what he's saying in verse number 11. And in verse number 11, he says, for unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. He says the good news is there's a baby that's born in Bethlehem. Now, We've had babies born in history before. That's nothing new, nothing special. Just had one of our church members give birth to not one baby, but two. <laughs> two babies born. All right. I was looking this up. Every day on earth, on average, there are 385,000 babies born. Every day. That means every week there are 2 million children that are born on this planet. Wow. That's a lot of babies. Two million. Now, in the days of Jesus, there weren't two million babies being born every day, but it wasn't usual. You would celebrate every baby that was born, but there were babies born all the time. Lots of people had families. Lots of people had kids. Many kids. Lots of kids. But the big deal here is not just that a baby was born, What's the big deal is that this baby is the Savior. Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. In Bethlehem was born a Savior. Now, what do saviors do? Well, they save, right? <laughs> what are they saving us from? What is this baby going to save us from? Well, the Bible makes it clear, and in fact, one of the songs that we sung earlier made mention of this. Matthew chapter 1, verse number 21 says, And she shall bring forth the Son, speaking of Mary, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. The reason why this is good news, why this baby is born, is because he's a Savior. And he's going to save people from their sins. Now, what is sin? Sin, very simply, is the transgression of the law, meaning sin is breaking the spiritual law, not necessarily state laws or federal laws or even international laws. The Bible says sin is breaking spiritual laws. And when you break laws, you appear before a judge. When you break spiritual laws, you don't come before a federal judge or the Supreme Court. You stand before the judge of all judges, the judge of the universe. His name is God. And we will stand before the Lord because of our sins. Romans chapter 3, verse number 23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. The reason why the good news is good news for all people is because all people have sinned. All of us are sinners. All of us have broken God's law. And because all of us have broken God's law, we need saving. You ever seen those pharmaceutical commercials? Those commercials for those drugs? 
And uh, one of the most common phrases in these drug commercials, and it kind of shifts exactly how they phrase it, but one of the common phrases is, if you have blank disease or condition, then talk to your doctor about blank drug, right? You know what I'm talking about? If you've got this disease, if you've got arthritis, then talk to your doctor about this drug. And uh, that's a very common phrase. And uh, if you've got all of these different things, you can, you can ask your doctor about that. Now, just to be honest, and I'm fairly blessed in this regard, most of the time, almost all of the time, I ignore those commercials because when it says, if you have arthritis, as soon as they say that, I'm out. I don't have arthritis. I don't really have to pay attention to the rest of your commercial. Give me back my time, <laughs> right? I don't, arthritis, I don't got arthritis. You know, I saw a commercial for Crohn's disease. I don't have Crohn's disease. I don't have to pay attention to that. There's one commercial that did kind of spark my interest a little bit when it said, if you have diabetes. Now, I don't have diabetes, but I have a history in my family. And so I got to think about these sorts of things. What do I eat? And, you know, how do I take care of myself? All of these things. And so that kind of perked my interest. I was like, oh, I don't have it now, but I might have it one day. You know, I might need this drug. What is this drug? Tell me about the drug and I'll remember this drug and maybe one day I'll need it. But so many of these drugs, I don't really need it because I don't have it. I don't have arthritis. I don't have cancer. I don't have high blood pressure. I don't have any of these things. So I don't, I don't really pay attention. But when it comes to sin, we should all pay attention because we've all got it. You might not have arthritis, you might not have cancer, you might not have you know, blood pressure issues, you might not have any of these things but all of us have sin. And so when God says, if you have sin, we should all pay attention. Oh, that's what I got. <laughs> I have this. All right, what are you going to tell me about this? You should talk to your doctor about the Savior, Jesus Christ. All right? Maybe that's not how the commercial would go. But God is telling us that we all have a condition. And this condition is very serious because sin is not a disease that's a mild kind of inconvenience. There are deadly consequences to sin. Some diseases are more serious than other diseases, right? Sin is the most serious of all diseases. Because the Bible says in Romans chapter 6, verse 23, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you have certain diseases, you take very, you, you pay a lot of attention because you know how serious it could be. If you've ever had cancer or had a family member who've had who has had cancer, you know, you take it seriously. You take it seriously, your friends take it seriously, your family takes it seriously, because you know the consequences of that can be very deadly. You've got to pay great attention to that. And you're always wondering, how are they doing? Can we help? And all of that kind of a thing. Some diseases are more mild. You don't really have to worry about it too much. It might be a little bit of an inconvenience, but you don't have to worry about too much. It won't really affect your life too much. Sin, though, the Bible makes it very clear, the wages of sin is death. What sin will do is if you die in your sin, if you have not been cleansed of your sin, when you die, there's a place of eternal judgment and punishment called hell. And that's where sin will take you. That's why there's good news. The good news of Jesus Christ is there's a savior. There is a cure for sin that was born in the city of Bethlehem. And this cure is for all of you because all of you have sin. All of us have sin. The third reason why we see that the good news of Jesus Christ, it really is good news, is because of the response to the good news. Verse number 
14. Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. You'll notice that the angels came down, they gave a message to uh, the shepherds, and the shepherds, as soon as the angels are gone, they looked at each other and they said, well, let's go into the city and let's see this baby that was born. There was a response that was given. And the reason why the good news is good news is because we have access to it, right? If you all remember, you know, the COVID thing, and remember when those vaccines first came out? Remember that? came out, what was it, the end of last year or something like that, right? COVID, uh, the, the, some of the vaccines started coming out. And I remember people were like, oh, I want to get the vaccine. A lot of people went out to get the vaccine. Uh, if you're here in America, you know, there was a, you know, a system. If you're part of this category, if you're above like a certain age, then you get first priority after a certain number of days. Okay, if you have certain conditions, health conditions, then you get access to the vaccine. And then they started, you know, doing all of these different things. And a lot of people really wanted to get this vaccine uh, here in America and more importantly in other countries overseas, but they couldn't get it. All right, they couldn't get it. Some people even flew into the States in order to try to get this vaccine. Now, there's a limited supply of this and a limited supply of all of these drugs that we're talking about, right? There's a limited supply. But God makes it clear when it comes to salvation, when it comes to the Savior, there is an unlimited supply. And that supply is available to everyone today. You don't have to wait a week. You don't have to wait a year. You don't have to wait until you come to church a certain number of times. You don't have to wait until you, quote unquote, clean up your life or make some changes. You can be saved today. That's why it's good news. And God gives us the ability to make the decision to have salvation, this cure for sin today. You ever read about these lottery winners that don't claim their prize? You ever read about that? I'm not condoning the lottery, by the way, okay? But you ever read about this? I actually read about this uh, earlier this year. There was a $26 million lottery jackpot that went unclaimed this year in California. One of you, no, I'm just kidding, <laughs> right? Maybe one of you didn't claim it. I don't know. Somebody w bought a lottery ticket that if they would redeem it, would get them $26 million. And it went unclaimed. Now, one lady came forward and said, I promise I bought it, but I accidentally stuck it into my pants pocket and I stuck my pants into the laundry machine and it destroyed the ticket. Please believe me. <laughs> All right. If only it were so easy. Now, I have no idea who won the lottery. Maybe she did. Maybe her story's true. I really have no idea. But there's lots of lottery tickets that go unclaimed. Millions of dollars go unclaimed. You ever wonder about that? What happened where somebody has a lottery ticket where they could get a million dollars, but they don't claim it? You ever wonder that? Why would you not claim it? Right? Isn't that a great question? I don't know why you wouldn't claim it. If you had it, wouldn't you claim it? You should claim it. It's a million dollars. It's right there. You have it. All you have to do is walk in and say, here, I got it. And they'll give you a million dollars. It's easy. No problem. You know what God is saying here is, I have a cure and I have a ticket that will take you to heaven 
instead of hell when you die. And all you have to do is claim it. All you got to do is claim it. All you have to do is go to Jesus Christ and say, Jesus, I'm a sinner. And I'm in need of a cure. I know that I can't cure myself. God, will you cleanse me of my sin? So that when I die, I don't go to hell. I can go to heaven. I will go to heaven. That's all you have to do. You could claim your ticket today. In fact, if you heard the message, God has said, here's your ticket. All you got to do is claim it. You got to claim it, though. If you don't claim it, you don't get it. Just like the lottery ticket winner doesn't go in to claim it, he doesn't get the money. Same thing is true for you. You might know how to redeem the ticket. You might know where to redeem the ticket. You might know all of these things, but the Bible says that you have to redeem it for yourself. I can't redeem it for you. You can't redeem it for me. Nobody can redeem it for each other. You've got to go to Jesus Christ and put your trust in Jesus Christ for yourself. And the Bible encourages you to do it quickly. In verse number 16, it says, And they came with haste. They came with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. These shepherds responded to the message of good news with haste. They did it quickly. They said, Why? let's not wait. Let's do it today. Let's move and let's go and find this child, Jesus Christ. And the same is true for us today. If you're not saved today, if God were to take your life today, and you don't know for sure that heaven is your home, that's why we have Christmas Sunday. That's why Jesus Christ came to this earth to die on the cross so that you could be cured of your sin. Let me encourage you to claim it quickly. Don't delay. Don't say, I'll do it one day. One day I'll do it. One day I'll claim the ticket. If you have your lottery ticket, why would you wait? Just go and claim it. You could have it today. The same is true of salvation. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 2 says, For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I succored or supported thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. Today could be the day when you can be saved. Verse number 17 also gives another response. And when they had seen it, they made it known abroad, the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they, heard, uh, and all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. As soon as these shepherds, they went into the city, they saw the baby Jesus, and they went out and they started telling other people about this baby Savior that was born in the city of David in Bethlehem. If you're saved today, and I trust that many of you are, many of you have already put your trust in Jesus Christ today, let me encourage you. There's another decision for you today. There's good news for you today because there's an opportunity for you to tell others about the good news. You could share the gospel with somebody else so that they could hear the good news of Jesus Christ. So this morning, as we take a look at Christmas Sunday, we take a look at the first Noel, the first Christmas, we see that there's a message of good news. And the message of good news is you can be saved. You can have your sins to be forgiven. You can know that heaven is your home. Notice I didn't say that you could come to this church week after week and go to heaven because that's not how you get to heaven notice i didn't say if you started reading your bible every single day then you could go to heaven because reading your bible as great as that is doesn't take you to heaven you know what takes you to heaven putting your trust in jesus christ putting your faith in the lord savior jesus christ to save you from your sins will cleanse you of your sin 
so that you can have a home in heaven. That's the good news. That's the good news for you. And it's relevant for everybody. Everybody is a sinner. Everybody can be saved if you will simply put your trust in Jesus Christ.